Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Today, we're going to be talking about a dirty word, a word not used in polite company, a very unpopular word. Today, we're going to talk about the next point of insanity from L. Ron Hubbard's extraordinary essay, Group Sanity, dated 14 December 1970. Today, we're going to be covering point number five. Let's enumerate what we've covered so far. There are 11 points altogether of group sanity, and so far we have visited one, hiring, two, training, three, apprenticeship, and four, utilization. Now, if you've not heard these earlier episodes yet, don't worry. You don't need to have listened to them to benefit from this episode, but you should listen to them. And if you've already listened to them, it's not a bad idea to review them. These 11 points of group sanity should be at the tip of your awareness and on the tip of your tongue as you build your enterprise or manage anything, because these are the points that in our current civilization, I'm sorry, did I call it a civilization? I think what I meant to say, uh, that barbarism dressed in fancy clothing, but anyway, there are 11 points. These are the 11 points that when they are not put in and maintained, that society or group or organization goes or acts insane. And this uh, fifth one is certainly a testament to that. This nasty, dirty, uncultured term, the term production. You know what production is. That's the thing that dumb people do. People that are not smart enough to know how to figure out how to live a life without having to work. People like, uh, well, people like me. That's what the lower classes did in Victorian England while the aristocrats lived as Ladies and gentlemen. Not involving themselves in the vulgar activity of producing anything. Have you, have you ever looked up the word gentleman? It's interesting. Of course, we have what we tend to use today as the word gentleman, which would be a chivalrous. This is from uh, Oxford. A chivalrous, courteous, or honorable man. He behaved like a perfect gentleman. But uh, in the United Kingdom, it's a man of noble birth attached to a royal household. So you've got the gentleman of the bedchamber, right? So it's a gentleman uh, in uh, the original sense of it is a person who's from a noble household. And if you look at um, the derivation, it comes from uh, gentleman, English term for man of noble birth. And it comes from the word genteel. And genteel has a number of meanings, but it normally means polite, refined, or respectable, uh, often in an affected way, you know, not necessarily totally genuine, but we, we use the word genteel that way. But if you look at the derivation, it comes from gentil, which is a French word, which means well-born. So the actual derivation of the word is from those who are of noble birth. So that's your gentleman. It was, it's a noble class. And below gentleman, you had someone called a yeoman or you had a peasant. Now, you've probably heard the term yeoman as in yeoman's work. Do a yeoman's job of something. That means working, right? Somebody did a yeoman's job. They got their hands dirty. They went and got something done. A yeoman was originally a man holding and cultivating a small uh, landed estate, a, you know, a property of some sort. And they... Um, were qualified for certain duties and rights, such as the to serve on, uh, to, to be able to vote for the knight of the shire, that sort of thing. So they were they were a cut above the peasant, but you know below the noble. So, but the the gentleman didn't uh, 
involve himself, particularly with um, that sort of work. You know, they were busy uh, living a gentleman's life, whatever that is, you know, learning how to fence and uh, to uh, have the social graces and, you know, this and that. So this whole concept of production tends to be relegated to something not very pleasant, something that, you know, you try to get out of. I mean, if you take a look through, you walk, you know, my neighborhood right around Times Square, you walk and you look at the various different billboards, uh, the lighted billboards and everyone there. I mean, this is presenting, I presume, uh, more or less the ideal scene for that we're all supposed to be striving for, which is to do nothing, you know, to lie on the beach or uh, to, uh, you know, be at a party or uh, to be uh, traveling in some way or doing something that's not in the least bit related to production. So this is sort of an ideal we're all striving for. We're all supposed to be working our guts out so we can retire early and not have to worry about producing anymore. So anyway, you get the idea. So let's take a look at the words. First of all, let's make sure we understand them. Uh, The word product. Uh, Here's Mr. Hubbard's definition. Uh, I've given earlier definitions of this. We have visited this subject before, but um, let's just take a look at the word product. So this is from... uh, an article from Mr. Hubbard, the 19th of March, 1972, a completed thing that has exchanged value within or outside the activity. So it's something that's been completed that has value. But listen to the second definition. Someone or something that has been brought into existence, the end result of a creation. Something or someone who has been brought into existence. And this is a definition from 7th of March, 1972, around the same time period. So what is a product? It is something that is the the result of a completed cycle of action. It is the end result of what? A creation. Now, if you are familiar with creating things, you know how exhilarating it can be. You know, to build something, to perform something, to play a piece of music to create. Uh, Who doesn't love the concept of creation? Well, creation leads to a product. That's what creation does. You start a creation, you work on that thing, it's going through its changes, and it ends up in a result or a stop. And that thing that is at the end of that cycle, we call that the cycle of action. Mr. Hubbard defines that as start, change, stop. That's a very simple definition of cycle of action. A product, therefore, comes at the stop end of the cycle of action. It is the result of the creation. It is the result of that cycle of action. So you ever do anything that doesn't result in anything? You ever, you ever been busy with something that just never seems to complete? You know, it annoys you. It stays on your mind. It goes on for years. It's never, it's always in some sort of a maybe. It doesn't really result in anything. That's doodle-daddle work. That's not production. That's not even working. That's just messing around, you know, because it's not resulting in anything with any exchange value either within or outside the activity. So that's not resulting in a product. So production is the activity. This is Mr. Harbour's definition from 7 March 1964. The activity of providing a product or service. That's the definition of production. But listen to this definition. This is from uh, 1971, January of 1971. Production is the evidence of the demonstration of competence. How about that? You know, you give somebody something to do, say, look at, uh, there's a customer. 
go and uh, sell them a car. And they go out there and, you know, a person walked on the lot. Evidently, they were in the market for a car. They're looking at cars. They're kicking the tires. And, you know, you send your salesman over there and uh, there's no sale. Well, you could also say there is no product. There's no end result. The product would be a customer who has been sold uh, a vehicle at a fair price that serves their needs or requirements and with which they're happy and would be willing to refer others to your car lot. So something along those lines would be a defined product. That would be the end result of the creation of who? The salesman. He's in there. He is creating the uh, conversation. He's creating the dialogue. He's starting the process of the sales cycle. That's a create. And the end of that create is a product. And there's a result there of a now a happy customer who has been sold the correct vehicle to serve their needs. You know, they're trying to impress women. They might get a different kind of vehicle than they would if they were trying to uh, carry their uh, tools to the work site, you know, to the job site. So, you know, you don't sell a sports car to a guy who's trying to figure out how to get the correct vehicle to make his business prosper and he's running a construction company. Okay. So don't sell him that sports car. You're going to sell him a truck. Anyway, you get the idea. So there's a product there and that salesman. Now he goes out there, he is uh, undergoing the sales cycle with that customer and the customer leaves and doesn't buy anything. Maybe he leaves even a little bit upset or she leaves a little bit upset. What's missing there? There is no demonstration of competence there. There's obviously either an inadequacy of competence, they're not competent enough, they haven't been trained enough, they haven't learned enough, or there's maybe an unwillingness that day to demonstrate that competence. But uh, there's certainly no evidence that that competence has been executed, right? That competence has not been demonstrated in that scenario. Now, look, just to make a point, I really want to take this out of the sort of, I guess you could say, somewhat dry aspect of dealing with organizations or groups. Let's talk about families. Okay, because if we use this definition of someone or something that has been brought into existence, the end result of a creation, then you can see that almost any activity you're engaged in should result in a product. There should be a, a demonstration of competence. There should be a completed cycle of action. Something or someone should be brought into creation or brought into existence, rather. So if you're a parent and you're raising children, you are creating something. You're engaged in a cycle of action. It might be quite a long cycle of action made up of lots of little cycles of action, lots of little products, but you're looking for, what would it be? Maybe something like well-raised, competent children who are happily and successfully pursuing their goals. That would be a product. Okay, you look at your kids, they're well-raised, they have some idea of social graces, they're not out there being uh, unpleasant to people and they're competent, they're very skilled at what they've pursued and they are happy about it and they're successful and they're pursuing what their goals, not yours or somebody else's, but their own. So you could say that might be a good definition for a product for a parent, well-raised, competent children who are happily and successfully pursuing their goals. But the child, they're involved in this creation too. They're part of that family. Uh, have you ever thought about that? They have a product too, wouldn't they have? I mean, if they're demonstrating competence if they are completing cycles of action that result or bring something into existence that they're creating, then presumably they're producing a product. Maybe the product could be, uh, let's say, proud parents whose lives have been enriched through my actions. That might be a child's product, you know. Oh, look, I did that and my parents actually were uplifted by my actions and they are proud of me because I accomplished something and their lives have been enriched through my actions. So I'm contributing to this, my products to this family. And then you've got different products because you as a 
a parent or as a father might have a different product with regards to the wife, the, the product with regards to your wife might be a secure and happy wife who is free to pursue her interests and knows unquestionably how special she is. That might be a product for a husband. So anything you're engaged in to create, anything you're engaged in a cycle of action that ends in a result or something being brought into existence, that is a production cycle. If you don't like the term, get over it. It's an honorable, wonderful, beautiful term. We should be all pursuing products in anything that we do. We're doing something. Does it result in a product? This actually it backs up to the earlier episode. Uh, Mr. Hubbard was talking about, you know, you utilize something. It was on the subject of utilization. These activities should result in some sort of a product. And if it doesn't, then what are we doing? And the product could be an uplifted group. You know, a party could have a product. We're having a party. What's a product of the party? Well, we want guests that are well entertained and, you know, able to take their attention off the tough aspects of their existence for an hour or two and uh, make some new friends and, and enjoy themselves. That's a product. Did, was it a good party? Yeah, it was a great party. Everybody really enjoyed themselves and they walked away uh, feeling better because they made some new friends and there was a social activity and they were able to take their minds off something that they had been sort of a little bit too stuck on. You know, so that was good. They were extroverted their attention onto something else. That was a successful party. Everybody passed out on the floor. They're drunk. They're hungover. People are hating each other. And now as a result of the party, that wouldn't be a very good product for a party. So, you know, any type of thing, you're going to get into a crate. There's a product. Okay. So anyway, I'm, I'm continuing to use this term to sort of get over the idea that, you know, this is only for the very dull boy. Uh, it's always talking about products. You know, what a bore. No, it's, it's something being brought into existence, a joyous thing. You know, when we talk about the workaholic, you know, it's almost it, when it's stated, it's like it's a bad thing. You know, he's a workaholic. He's, he's addicted to producing things. Yep. There's a few people like that that I know, and I'm proud to know them. So let's get into the article itself now. We're talking about the group sanity reference. Point number five, production. Mr. Hubbard says the following. Modern think is to reward down stats. Isn't that the truth? Look at how many people are being paid today not to work. He goes on, he says, a person is paid for not working. Governments who produce nothing employ the most people. The largest organization in the United States is the U.S. government, is the federal government. They employ more people than anybody else, and they're the least productive. If you don't look at it, look at the growing national debt. If your company has a growing debt, would you say your company is productive? Heck no. He goes on to say this, income tax and other current practices penalize production. Hey, the more you make, the more we're going to penalize you, the more we're going to tax you. The more we're going to restrict you, the more we're going to give you rules to comply with. You see? So he says, income tax and other current practices penalize production. Countries which produce little are given huge handouts. Come on, you can't tell me you don't observe that. Don't you look at that? How much money is being put into some of these countries that don't produce anything, but somehow it's our moral duty that we need to reward them for not producing? I know this sounds kind of heartless, but if you really think about it, who's winning in this scenario? Look at the world today. This is this point of insanity. The rewarding of non-production just leads to more non-production. And who gets to pay the piper? Who gets to pay the price in the final analysis? The producer. 
The producer always has to pay because nobody else can, because nobody else is bringing anything into existence. There's no create going on except from the producer. So as you continue to penalize the producer, there is less and less production. And take a look at where we're going. Okay. And he goes on to say this, war, which destroys, attains the largest appropriations. <laughs> What's the product of war, right? Let's send it all kinds of money. You get it? So then he puts it in all capital letters. Remember, third dynamic is the urge to survive with and as groups. So we mentioned this in each of these episodes. He says, all capital letters, a third dynamic psychosis is to prevent production. Oh, no, no. Don't work. You know, it's, you're, you're working too hard. I get this criticism often from people who don't know me very well. It's like, oh, but you're working too hard. No, no. Anybody who really knows me knows that when I'm working hard, that's when I'm having the best time. Okay? Because that's, I'm passionate about the things that I'm involved with, and probably you are too if you're listening to this podcast. So let's take this out of the dirty word category, you know, production and work, these dirty words that, you know, we're supposed to try to be getting out of all the time. And, uh, and embrace them and, and honor them for what they are. All right, so he goes on to say this on production. He says, one may be prone to believe there is no sense in any production at all. Such a one would also be likely to say there is no sense at all. So somebody says there's no sense in production, may as well be saying there's no sense to anything. That's what Mr. Hubbard is saying here. He says, one may be prone to believe there is no sense in any production at all. Such a one would also be likely to say there's no sense at all. Or, if they keep on producing, it will become impossible to destroy it all. These are Mr. Hubbard's words. Then he goes on to say, production of some final valuable product is the chain of all production sequences. Very important sentence. Production of some final valuable product is the chain of all production sequences. Very important concept. Always regard that anything that you're bringing into existence is the result of a chain of production sequences. In other words, there's other products that precede that. And the buildup of those products will result in a valuable final product that you can then exchange. You know, a clean and neat workshop is a vital product. You're not going to sell anybody your workshop. Your workshop's your workshop. You're a cabinet maker. Your workshop is something you need to be able to produce cabinets. But if it's a disorganized mess and you're trying to build a cabinet, good luck. But if you are then uh, engaged in putting order into your workshop, making sure you have the materials you need, that's a product. It's a product for you. The ordered workshop, product for you. Adequate tools for your job, that's a product, right? These all line up in a chain and result in the valuable final product, which of course is an installed cabinet that the customer is happy with and is, uh, has exchanged with you for. You know, there's, these are all rough, off-the-cuff statements of products, but you get the idea. Something has been brought into existence. You did it through a create, all right? Now, listen to this. Very interesting. He says, even the artist, this is for the artists who are listening, even the artist is producing a reaction. The reaction's service in a wider sphere to enforce it is what gives art its sense. What's a sense of art? I did this beautiful painting. I love it. It sits in my attic. Nobody sees it. So how much reaction have I created? Well, at least I create a reaction on myself. I could say it's a product and that I feel better for looking at it. But you see the reactions. He says here, the quote, the reaction service in a wider sphere to enforce it is what gives art its sense. 
So it has some sense in that it makes me happier. But if it's now in a gallery where 100 people now can see it or 1,000 people can see it, now we have a wider sphere to enforce that reaction we've created. If the purpose of the, of the painting was to uplift and inspire, well, that reaction, which was my product, has now been created in a wider sphere. And that now means that the painting has more sense. What's the sense of the painting? It makes me feel good. What's the sense of the painting? It makes a thousand people feel better. You follow? So now it has a greater sense. And he goes on and says, Mr. Robert says, a feeling of well-being or grandeur or lightheartedness are legitimate, valuable, final products, for instance. See, these are valuable final products. You know, the comedian who gets people to, to laugh and feel not so, you know, I had a rough day, but you know what? I'm laughing now and I feel better about life because I because that comedian created that reaction on me. That artist created that reaction on me. That was his or her intended product and they got it. I had that reaction. I should exchange for that, shouldn't I? You know, you, you watch these street performers. Uh, in New York, my hometown, and uh, you watch them perform. And of course, to the degree that they're creating a reaction on the crowd in the street, they get uh, money dropped in the hat. You just feel, you know, I ought to exchange for that. That They created a product on me. There's a nice reaction on me. Now I'm going to contribute back. To you see, it's valuable. The valuable final product. Goes on to say this, the production areas and activities of an org, org is short for organization, the production areas and activities of an org that produce the valuable final products are the most important areas and activities of the org. Remember that. I've said this in earlier episodes, that the Hubbard management system is a self-protective system. You cannot use it unethically because if you are not creating valuable final products, things that really will serve people, that will bring about uh, something of value to the other individual, either a service or a product, if you're production areas of your organization do not produce that, all the management systems in the world are not going to help you. Certainly not the Hubbard management system. And maybe you could learn a system of, uh, of how to con people. You know, maybe that'll serve you for a while anyway. But the Hubbard management system only serves you if you have this fundamental of producing a valuable final product or service. And so always, always review it. I, I made this error early, early, early in my, in my consulting career where I would work with clients and I'd always assume that their product was, or service was obviously valuable or fine and then be, you know, uh, baffled by the fact that, you know, these systems just don't seem to be working correctly as they should. We're getting results, but nothing like we should be getting. Then finally, I learned that, you know what? I better inspect, you know, are the products that this, uh, organization or company is producing, are those products actually valuable in the first place? Are they real products, in other words? And if not, that's what you better address because that's your most important area or activity of your organization, production. It's not a dirty word at all. It's probably one of the most important words in your vocabulary if you are building an organization. And it's actually a wonderful, creative, beautiful thing and uh, if you channel your activities to producing a product, whether it's raising children or going out on a date, you know, bear in mind, uh, you know, you don't have to be writing it all down in a little note paper before you go on your date. But it wouldn't be a bad idea to think it over. What is a product of this activity? What am I trying to uh, achieve? You follow and that would be the product. Hopefully it's an honorable one. Okay. 
So that wraps it up for today's episode. This is the fifth point of group sanity. We have six more to go. I hope you're enjoying listening to these as much as I'm enjoying delivering them to you. Uh, But uh, hopefully you're taking them to heart and putting them to work and you're bringing about more and more sanity in your organization or group. And through that, let's let's build a better world. Okay, so um, thank you for listening. Uh, Leave your comments, likes if you liked it. We love reading the comments. Let's us know that we have uh, demonstrated some competence here. That's kind of your exchange back with us is your comments and your notes and your wins and successes. Uh, That's what we work for. So uh, we love receiving them. So don't hesitate to send them along. All right. That's it for this week. Talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening.